The question in my mind is, how do you create or relaunch a highly profitable and successful six to seven figure business? With so much conflicting advice about the best ways to start and grow your business, how do you get it right the first time? I want to help entrepreneurs make a real difference and navigate the messy world of startup or relaunch. My name is John North, and this is the Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs show. Join me today when we dig deep with our guests and get you the best blueprint so you can fast track your own business. This episode is sponsored by Volpreneur.app, your all-in-one online business system. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. So let's get into the day's episode. I was on Startup Secrets this morning with John North. My name's Kim Dunlop. We talked about different aspects about creating a business uh, in the entrepreneurial world. Uh, it was great insights around values and different techniques. So please check out the link and join us um, in checking out the Startup Secrets. So my very special guest today is Kim Dunlop, who's a leadership expert, project coach and property advisor. So it's an interesting mix. So welcome to the show, Kim. Thanks, John. Great to be here. Cool. So give me a little bit of background of where you got to where you are now. Like what was your, what's your backstory in terms of this? Because obviously a lot of our competitors end up accidentally in something. Um, they never start off that way. So no one wake up when they're 18 and go, I'm going to be a property advisor. Um, normally there's some, some sort of backstory to that. Yeah. And that's a great question, John, because um, there is a bit of a backstory around it. Um, when I first started in the corporate real estate world, um, I was all of 18 and um, my dad sort of said to me at the time, which was kind of a bit of a gift, he said to me I would never amount to anything. So I went, well, I'm going to prove you wrong and um, I'm going <laughs> to go psychology. into the corporate real estate world. <laughs> and, and so I went into the corporate real estate world with um, guys who were like 15 years my senior. And so I've pretty much been in that space for 30 years now. And then I stepped out about two and a half years ago because my real passion is the people. Mm -hmm. So whilst I've been, you know, relating to people all my life, that's my real passion. And really helping um, and working with people to sort of address and understand um, their excuses or their concerns and um, whether it's in the project space, property space um, or leadership space. Um, and it's quite an interesting thing because um, if you look at excuses, um, what is it? Excuses, it's a label, right? Yep. And um, we could actually label it as so many different things. And it's actually habits. Um, it can be um, the way people process things. And it could be resistance, um, you know, or how we react or respond. And so in addressing that, whether it's in a project environment or in a property environment with helping someone purchase a property or in a leadership space, mm -hmm. it just comes back to the basic fundamental of us addressing, you know, what is our excuse? So, mm. yeah, I just thought, um, yeah, and I'm really passionate about um, what I do um, in empowering people to become more confident and get clarity um, whatever goal that they're trying to achieve. 
So who do you who do you normally? I guess one of the good questions is who's your best customer in this process? Like who? What do they look like when you when you somebody comes along and says, "Yeah, that's the best the person I can help." What do they What do they kind of look like? So in the property world, it could be you know a mum and dad. Mm-hmm. Um, it could be a couple. It could be you know someone who's single. Um, and so I have a um, um, a brief that I created for people to buy properties to just mm-hmm. give them clarity and confidence, which was um, an inside story. So um, yeah, I work with that those type of people in that space, mm-hmm. and in the leadership space or as a project coach, I work um, with corporates mm-hmm. or you know small to medium sized businesses. So it really depends. So yeah, it's quite a mix, quite a mix of people. Um, yeah. So with project, obviously they're doing some sort of property project. Is that how it kind of works? Yeah. So if someone's working on a property um, project and they've got certain milestones, mm-hmm. um, you look at the commercial outcomes and you look at the timelines. And I basically um, support people in that space by shifting the excuses or shifting, you know, what's going on mm-hmm. um, in order to actually fast track that from a developmental point of view. So, yeah, so it's really... Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, I think the biggest thing in the, in the in construction is that things go wrong and then, you know, the fight ensues or whatever. And I guess if you watch the block a few times, you like, get the same kind of concept that things can go pretty wrong and, and most of the time it comes down to communication, I think. Like, a lot of times it's like they just miscommunicated something or they didn't assume the other person was even human in that process, right? That's exactly it. And, and that's part of one of the things, which is the excuses bit, which I started with, mm. is that's a form of communication is I can't do that or I can't step in. So it's then how do we look at supporting that person? And probably one of the key things um, that I've created around that is providing scaffolding, whether it's for an individual, mm-hmm. whether it's for an organisation um, or someone within a project environment as a leader, providing that support scaffolding to actually work out what are their frustrations because a frustration can be an excuse, right? And so how do we shift that? Mm. And, um, yeah, and so it's looking at that in a deeper level. Right. And so um, have you got a sort of a success story about a client you kind of helped that was in a bad way? Like is there, is there like, um, and you can obviously change the situation to suit, but is there a sort of a, a scenario where you sort of come into something that would look pretty bad? Yeah, so... Um, Probably um, an example that I would look at is just really, um, yeah, actually, I've got a good example. Um, <laughs> Takes a bit of thinking sometimes. <laughs> it's, um, it's kind of um, walking in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. right? And probably if I was to bre- break it down into a really simple format, it's understanding the needs of another individual. So having a client where I actually stepped into their shoes And so in order to seek to understand, which is exactly what I do, is I understand where they're at Mm -hmm. and where they actually want to be. And so in doing that, um, you would extrapolate the communication and then work out, um, you know, what's potentially missing for them because you can actually hear the frustration through having those conversations. Mm -hmm. Um, And in a particular project environment I was working in, um, we had to do a front-end delivery, right? And the back-end delivery was not completed. 
And so we had two particular clients who were basically wanting to get their needs met, both of them getting their needs met. So it was coming up with solutions and strategies because the back-end commercial agreements were actually not finalised. Right. So it was working out a middle ground, whereas a lot of, some, a lot of people sometimes think very black and white. Mm. And so then if you then step into both clients' shoes to actually understand, seek to understand and to address their concerns, um, then you can then understand and work out how to bring that together. And what you said before, John, which was absolutely perfect, it's the communication. Mm. And so it's then communicating because that's one of the excuses sometimes. We sit here and we are frustrated, but yet we're not communicating. So that's sometimes what stops it. Exactly right. (laughs) I mean, I had a client recently where we basically, um, they wouldn't, follow a single thing we ask them to do, right? It's kind of like the, you know, the, the worst possible client can have because they don't do, don't read, listen or pay attention, right? <laughs> and then I said to them, okay, you, I sent them an email. I said, basically, you're fired because you're not doing this. And then we had to have a conversation. And then we had a, like a come to Jesus conversation where we actually had to have a call <laughs> and talk about, you know, their shortcomings. And in the end, it's like, oh, I'm firing you, right? You've given, and in the end, they go, how much have I got to pay to get this done? And it's like, but I'm trying to fire you here. <laughs> we did our best. I said, it's too much money for what you want to do. I'm going to have to do something else extra for you, which we did in the end. It's like, I can't in right conscience take this money from you because I'm trying to tell you that you shouldn't spend it on this. And it's uh, like, because I want to spend the thousands of dollars on this book layout. I'm going, it's because you were inefficient in the first place. So you didn't, and I guess that applies to anything like poor planning, poor result. And so a lot of people write books. They, they think it's finished. And they give it to you and say, play it out now. And so we lay it out and they yeah. start reading it and they start proofing it and they start making changes to it. And it's like, we told you that's what's going to happen. Was it the final? No. Yeah, no, it's not the final one now. And, and sending back hundreds of changes, hundreds. Yeah. And it's like you've now got yourself in a really bad spot now because you're actually trying to almost like in a property scenario, you're trying to change the walls while the roof's still on, right? And, and Well, that's exactly it. Mm. And I like what you said because it was in the planning. And look, this is part of it. And this is where I think it's a really good piece to share um, because the planning is the process. Mm. So then if you were to look at your situation, John, in that instance, Mm. what was in the process? Because we look at strategies, we look at the process and we've got the process down pat, but guess what causes the, the conflict? The people. Right. Yeah. People. And so then the people come in and everyone has a different way of communicating and or receiving. So if you were to then reflect on that particular situation Mm. for yourself and step out and go, what would I have changed in order to get my outcomes? And these are the questions that I ask of people is Mm. what is something that you would change? And if they were to communicate and they say to me, oh, I don't know, Kim, Mm. well that is actually an answer That's but then an answer. what is that because yeah, yeah. i kind of yeah. know what went wrong because what normally happens is we have an onboarding call where we lay out the rules and regs and we lay out the, pl- the plan right they wouldn't book that call and that thing went on for months mm. so in the end we skipped past that call because they wouldn't make it and started sending us this book and so the mistake made was from our side mostly is that we didn't enforce the, the call and so, because we didn't think, you know, with okay, it's okay, you sound like he's got it finished. We'll just skip over that little step, which is the step that I always have because if you don't read down the right act at the start and, and educate the client on how to be a good customer, which I don't think people forget to do, 
then you end up in a situation you end up creating a bad customer because they don't they didn't, and they didn't know they were a bad customer because they're just doing whatever they think. And so, yeah. yeah, I mean, setting the scene right, getting that initial onboarding process, which most people kind of skip over, I think, um, is the bit that always goes wrong. And, and you know, it's my mistake. I should have forced it. But it dragged yeah. out so long with, oh, I'll just finish this project now. <laughs> and look, and do you know what's great, John, which I think is fantastic, is you have got a process that you know that works. Yes. And so you let that slide. But it wasn't that they intentionally may have um, not wanting to do it. There could have been something that was stopping them mm. and they could have missed it. And so these are the pieces that I kind of bring awareness to for people, whether it's in projects, um, in leadership, or in relationships, and so what is the relationship that you want to practice? And in mm. doing that, because you've got a process that works so well, John, mm. that mm. you know that we let it slide. But now from that learning, mm. you went, okay, this, <laughs> this doesn't support us. This yeah. doesn't support us in stepping mm. forward because we didn't have all the information. Mm. Like, would you mm. say that that's one of the pieces for you? Because yeah. in doing well, that process for you, which is so important, like, and you know that it works, well, yeah, what happened there too was that we, when I tell them the process and what's going to happen and, and sort of like I think when you tell them personally it works much better because we're always trying to do a call, what we did when we started this process off, we read the right act to them essentially. We said, okay, you need to do it this way. This is the way you're going to do it. And we constantly told them over and over again, but they did not do what didn't follow one thing. So I don't know whether that first call would have made a difference, but we could have easily referred back to them and said, look, remember the call we had? Um, you know, you agree to that, whereas they never agreed to that. So they never, whilst we said you have to do it this way, we never, they never got agreeance to it. So I think that initial call makes it sound like we kind of make it so if you don't do it the right way, this is what's going to happen, right? This is the things that are going to cost you money, it's going to cost you time. And that bit is the bit that we, you know, like it's more of an emotional thing at the start to make sure they actually understand it. And then, then we can, and we keep telling them anyway, right? Their process keeps saying, look, you, you know, don't send it in a different way because it will just cost you time and money. And, and that's the thing, but they never, I don't think they did one thing ever in the entire process that was actually what we asked them to do. Yeah. And it's interesting. I love how you use the word time and money. Mm. You're wanting that's on behalf of you saving time and money. And that's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> for them. So it cost them $3,000 in the end because they wouldn't follow the rules. Yeah. And so there's something in that, John, which I mm. see is an opportunity um, mm. to why they were missing it. And, and when I say to people, it can sometimes come down to their representational systems mm. and how they're actually looking at things. Mm. And maybe for them, time and money is not something that's valued as well. So I kind of share that with people mm. to sort of say, okay, um, if they're not prepared to, but you're offering that and saying up front, so then if you've got a job, then and there, and you've already pointed that out, and if you know they're happy to sort of take time and mm. to give you more money, then yeah. why not? And that's essentially what happened, right? And it was interesting because <laughs> they were their interest was quality and credibility, right? Because they work for a government, and so basically they do a lot of government agency work, so obviously it has to be high quality. And they're credible in the industry. So their, their I guess, values, if we were talking about here, is their values was that. Um, but at the same time, they didn't have a lot of money. It's not like they had a lot of money to burn. It's like, we want to make sure we get this project done within a budget because they said they had a budget. 
But then the funny thing about it was as soon as that stretched out, they go, oh, I can find the extra money. I said, well, I don't want you to spend all this money. Uh, and it's like they, they in the end just said, no, no, we're going to do it. And so it's quite interesting when you look at it, when they say what they say is not necessarily what they mean. Control your destiny and create a complete business system for your online business. Evolvepreneur.app offers an easy and cost-effective way to build your online business by helping you avoid the pain and stress of implementing multiple systems, giving you the freedom to automate and scale. Support our sponsor by grabbing a free copy of Startup Secrets for Entrepreneurs at Evolvepreneur.app. That's exactly it. It's, and it's always the case. So the excuse or the problem that people are experiencing is not necessarily exactly the problem. No. And so that's where it's just trying to uncover that. And, and they've, on some level, um, valued your quality and your yeah. expertise. Exactly. And therefore, the value that you hold, um, mm. which you were noticing that it was coming up, was time and money. Exactly. <laughs> That you were saving for them, yeah. which is exactly what I do with people is I gift people back time mm. because where we place our energy. And so it's probably a good piece for that is those people were not re- necessarily recognising that they were placing their time in an mm. inefficient way. Mm. And so we can become more resourceful mm. and more efficient in the way that we look at things. Mm. If we were to go back to your word, which is planning mm-hmm. and, you know, you've got a process and, and this mm-hmm. is quite efficient. And so um, I yeah. think the thing with entrepreneurs is that too, they'll take on customers they never should take on um, because they need the money. And then what happens is they end up taking this horror client on that ends up costing you money. And in the end you think, why did I, I knew gut feeling I should have taken them on in the first place. And so normally with my criteria, when I do a customer, when I do with initial customers is we see whether they can actually follow some simple instructions. Can they, can they book an appointment? Can they show up? And you know, some people can't even do that. (laughs) They just can't show up to an appointment. They're always late or they never show up or they miss them. And you think, do you do this with everyone? Because that's going to be hard to manage you if you, if you you like that. And so if they can't show up, then that's easy because I've just discounted them. But then looking at, you know, can they follow instructions? Do they, are they coachable? Are they, all those questions you're asking yourself. So I think sometimes people forget that when you're talking to a prospect about a business, you're actually deciding in your own mind whether you're going to do business with them. Yeah. I think that's a single missing thing people don't do. They kind of like gloss all that over, ignore their gut feeling and just go ahead and get the deal and then regret it later. <laughs> and, and I think that's a really great point, John, because to, you know, to, to the entrepreneurs, and that's one thing that I share with other entrepreneurs, is around your value system. Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, my three values, uh, image, relationships, and communication. And so they're my key values. And if people are not matching that in an environment, or I'm noticing that they're not hearing me, or the way that they're operating, I kind of, it does bring up a bit of a flag for me. So it would be, you know, it's a really great thing to share with other entrepreneurs is really be clear on your values. Mm. And and that's something that I actually do in the leadership space um, with people around their values. And a lot of people haven't worked that out. No, no. Because it then aligns with, you know, as you said, and I have a process too, John, and so I respect people that have a process and and and, and I really do. And it's yeah, yeah. and a lot of people like the structure as well. They really like the structure. Yeah. Um, some people I know in the past when uh, I've come from a very corporate background and so I've had to follow the process, but mm-hmm. I've been a bit cheeky, John, 
and sometimes going saying to people, well, I'll follow the process, but if the process is not working I'll, or, or I know it can be a bit better mm-hmm. and I can refine it, I'll update it. And so yeah. I say, are you okay with that or can I give you some ideas? Mm-hmm. So, you know, we can always update the process. Yeah, yeah, it's not perfect. Like I don't think anything yeah. is perfect. I think that's part of the thing is no system is perfect and it changes too. Like rules change, situations perfect. change. You can imagine like yeah. in... In Sydney right now, with the with the lockdown of the construction industry, they when they come back from that, they're going to have to. There's going to be a lot of rules in place that they never had before, and yeah. so they're going to have to adapt and pivot to that. And it may be that'll always be like that. They don't, you know, it may always always be like that in the end because it might be a good process too. It might actually improve, um, you know, in situations where you might not, you know, you know, not get as many people as sick on the work site because basically improved your, the way you do things. So, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, there's always opportunity. There's always opportunity in any industry, you know, for the people, you know. Mm. So it doesn't matter what label you hold, you know, whether you are in construction or you are, you know, an accountancy or running your own, um, you know, real estate firm, um, whatever the case might be, it's, you know, it's really just about updating all the time and going, Mm. right, what's this, you know, quality, you know, control that we can look at in this situation? Um, I think it's really important um, this day and age because we haven't had to think much for many years. And I think um, with what happened, um, John, last year, it's, um, you know, I mean, I sort of laugh in a little way in, uh, mm-hmm. that people haven't had to think. And yes. the thinking comes from us, which is our mind. Yeah. Right? The only thing you've got left now, when you look at the fact that AI and technology can do a lot of the thinking for you and the processing, is that the only thing the human's got left is their, their ability to kind of figure stuff out that the computer can't figure out That's based exactly. on gut feeling, emotion, <laughs> and, and, you know, and really just sixth sense, right? And so to me, that's the most important part and, and people suppress it, right? Because they think it's not true or not correct. So they'll just think, I oh, know it can't be, can't be right. I'll just do whatever someone's holding to do. Yeah, and I think that's a really good point, the gut feeling and suppressing emotions. And look, in any business, and you'll appreciate this, John, being an entrepreneur, um, whether you're creating a company or whether you're working for someone else, right, Um, we all in this society have commercial outcomes and emotional outcomes. And so we're human. We're all human. And so if we start to address, like, the commercial outcomes and then also address the emotional outcomes and rather than suppressing it, and really looking at that and going, how can I be more effective? Mm. How could I build more confidence? How could I reframe that to that person? So it's kind of looking at pivoting or mm. positioning or preparing ourselves a bit better in the way that we deal with things. Are we responding or are we reacting? Mm. Um, and knowing and sort of checking in on ourselves and going, right, how, you know, did I like what I did? And that's why I asked you before, mm. would you have changed anything, right? Mm. So that's basically how I come in with organisation is what is it that you will change? Um, but then having resources around you, John, I think is a really critical thing for, I don't know whether you have found that. Yeah, yeah, is- no, having that infrastructure or that person to go to when you because you don't know everything, right? And so that that bouncing and the trouble is if you ask your friends and family, they don't have no clue in the entrepreneurship, what the hell you're talking about, even or what, you know, what, what's the problem. Right. And so, yeah. So having that, that, I guess that mentor or someone to be able to be able to bounce ideas off is, is massive. And I think, 
that's the thing that's missing a little bit nowadays too, I think, is, is the concept of that mastermind, I think. Yeah, it is. It is missing. And I think it's really important and very relevant in today's society. And yeah. because technology has been taking over and it has been really um, probably taking people out of where they're supposed to be. Yeah. And the technology is really um, ramped up um, over the years. I mean, I know when I was younger, I didn't have a mobile phone until I was 21, John, yeah. like 21. Yeah. Probably about, yeah, I'm probably about that age too, actually. I had this whole yeah. this expensive $3,000 flip phone, Marauder Royal flip phone that was like a dollar a minute. Exactly. <laughs> it talked so fast. <laughs> so expensive back then um yeah and it, it, and it used to be really hot so when i put it on my ear my ear just about burned off you know like so i always think myself this can't be good for you right <laughs> and so i tried to have my conversations in the car so leave <laughs> the phone in the car because i didn't want to bring it into work into the job and because we're doing computer consulting so basically it's like um and i say to clients clients say to me why can't i get hold of you all the time they go would you like me to interrupt you when you're when i'm working for you and they go, no. And I go, well, fair enough. There you go. And so I'd sort of like never take the, but nowadays it's like you just do it naturally. You kind of built, it's built in that way, that interruption, you can be in the middle of a conversation and you get a message and you, you, you distract you, right? Yeah, exactly. Um, and so I think it's, yeah, it's a kind of weird scenario now. And um, I think at the end of the day, like I think technology is good, but you've got to be careful using it for good, not evil, I think. <laughs> so I don't know how, the, how yeah. that will ever play out. I mean, there's so many benefits, yet it's how we exercise using it or stepping in mm. and applying it and even the switching off. So if you look at your computer and we get our emails on our phones, mm. right, we're always switched on. Yes. And so then we're in uptime, which is constantly working, and this is what I'm noticing at the moment mm. is people are in uptime, that they're not creating downtime. Yes. And, and like, I, I don't know about you, John, but um, I don't um, watch the news. So I need to recently, which I'm going to get back <laughs> out of that again. Um, and I try to, and it's really funny because my, my son and I used to go, go and play squash um, on Thursday. So we actually watch the news and then we sit there and take, make fun of it. <laughs> so we sit there and go, look at what they're doing there. Like, like oh, they're, here's the bad news story coming now. Now they're going to do this. Now they're going to do this. So we're analysing this news about what they're up to oh, as wow. opposed to actually watching it. So like, here comes the footballer. He's got in trouble. Now, is it, now we're going to have a politician in trouble. Now we're going to do this. Now we have a good news story. And then it's like it's obvious to make fun of it. <laughs> and are you noticing their body language? Is that why? Why you can well, tell? Well, it's just the process they go through. So it's almost like you, I think what people are doing subconsciously, you're not, you don't know about it, right? So it's always a subconscious thing. So when you're consciously just consuming it, it's driving, it's putting you into fear because that's really what the news is. They just call it the bad news. But what I find is if you actually poke fun at it and you're like, oh, that can't be right or whatever, then you're not like you're going to write against it or anything, but you're saying seriously, like there must be more to it than that. And so we just sit there and poke fun at it. Like it's like, you know, of course that football is going to get into trouble. They're not, they're not necessarily, you know, um, caring about their image so much. They're, you know, and it's like, it's just funny. Like, it's like, but if you look at it too seriously, if they think you take that news too seriously, you, you wouldn't want to live the next day. I think that's the bad part about it. Yeah. And, and I think it's great that you're looking at it in that way. And, mm as you said, there's there's always something missing Mm. and this is the thing we don't know. We we just don't know in any situation what's missing 
And so unless we seek to understand. They, you know, exactly. like they may have, this might be the outcome, but what happened to get there? Like, it's exactly you know, that, it. Yeah. And, it. And it's like entrepreneurship. Like we know that it's been blood, sweat and tears mm. sometimes by, you know, we've got to put the accountant hat on or we've yeah. got to have the marketing hat on or we've got to be the admin person or write up contracts. <laughs> so it's there's so many hats that yes. we have to turn up as. And, you know, if you're running it and doing it on your own uh, but have a good support network, it's, um, yeah, but we, you don't know the backstory to kind of get to where mm. you are. <laughs> and I think that's important in any conversations probably the communication. So sort of a sidestepped question to you, how do you get your customers right now? So someone, how does someone find you? So there's always an interesting thing for the entrepreneurs is how they get business because a lot of them don't get a traditional way. Like they'll, they'll have some sort of hack that works well for them to get business. So do, how do you normally get a client now? How do they find you? So it's interesting because um, I've had a few sort of methods um, that I've done. And, um, it, and one thing I learned from a very young age, and it was interesting because this comes back to other people that would have excuses around this piece is I used to do cold calling when I was 18. Oh, that's when, I, <laughs> when, I, when I first stepped into the real estate world, John, and yeah. I tell you what, if you look at that as some people going, oh, I can't do that, which mm. is an excuse, right? Or yeah. there, there's some limiting belief, right? Mm. Or there's some resistance around it, or it's about confidence and things like, like that. I've been told no to a lot of times. Most people that's exactly like it. And so I did that at a young age. So that's something that I've been doing a fair bit. And um, and then following up with emails, um, I also use LinkedIn mm-hmm. as a really good platform yeah. um, to connect with um, a lot of high-profile people, medium, um, like, you know, leadership levels. Um, I'll look at um, construction world, solicitors. Um, so it's a really good platform. I find LinkedIn amazing. Like it's yes. uh, you don't realise how much of a tool, great tool it is to use, to utilise. No, and it was actually interesting because quite a few years ago I was doing networking. So I think of, so before I spoke to you, I, think I, I said, I think I've met you at a networking event. I can't remember where it was. But the thing was what I found was I'd go to these networking events, a lot of time and energy required, and, and most of the time they couldn't afford me anyway. So it's almost like wasting my time. And I thought to myself, I had 500 LinkedIn connections. So I'm thinking to myself, there must be more to this than that. So I went and said, I'm going to beef this up a bit. So I started kind of finding people that weren't around here and they think to themselves, I can have customers anywhere I want, right? I don't have to have them in, in say, Australia even or New Zealand. And then I went up, so my primary customer base spent up being in America because they were sort of customers that I wanted in terms of decision-making and, and more mature in what they wanted to do. And so I end up with, I think, 26,000 LinkedIn connections now or something. But the reality was is that it opened a whole world of that you haven't thought about because now, hang on, you can connect to someone on the other side of the world and, and sell to them and never see them. So probably 90% of my clients I've never cited face-to-face. Um, but they don't and need would that. You, would you just have like the Zoom connections? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And I think um, one of the things is, is if they know like and trust you, then that's the, the face-to-face thing doesn't matter because they can see there's a credible situation there and they like you. So the end of the day, it's it's. But LinkedIn's such an amazing resource that people don't utilize. I mean, I was talking to a guy. I'm going to get him on a get him on an interview. Actually, he's he sets up joint joint ventures, and we spoke conversation about it. And we're on the phone uh, talking about something, and he goes, "So we want to do this, right?" So he goes straight into LinkedIn, zooms in, tries to find the CEO of this company. He says, "There's his mobile number there. I'll just call him." <laughs> right, and it's like, and other people would spend months trying to get his attention. 
right, from sending him mail or whatever, right? And he goes, he's put his mobile number on the on LinkedIn. I'll just call him. Yeah, that's exactly what I would do too, John. Yeah. Just ring them or send them a quick LinkedIn message and yeah. be very persuasive for the way I wrote it, the message to get their attention. <laughs> exactly. So it really cut through, right? So that's the really thing about LinkedIn as interesting as you say is because most people with LinkedIn will fill out their life story and their bio and all their information in LinkedIn yet they won't say a word in Facebook, right? Oh, interesting, yeah. I didn't right? realise, yeah. Because you're almost programmed to do it, right? So when you join LinkedIn, you say, what's your background? Where have you been? What have you done? And then suddenly it becomes an ego thing to a degree. So you're actually filling your stuff because you want to look good on the resume. Yes. Right? <laughs> That's very true. That's very true. And then also the LinkedIn profile tells a lot about you. So yeah. if you go to a LinkedIn profile that's very poorly done, um, in some respects, you're looking and think, well, either they don't understand what LinkedIn is all about or that's the way they operate, right? Yeah. And so you, you don't really think, I don't really want them as a customer because they don't bother filling that information out because they don't see that as a benefit. So maybe they don't know about it or they just got signed up and never did anything. But most people, you can yeah. tell from their profile what their personality is like from the get-go. Well, well, I'm hoping that mine, does mine need any tweaking, John? Because I'm happy for feedback. <laughs> I can't remember. I had a bit of look at the time because I used to do a bit of research. I think it looked pretty good. Um, <laughs> With LinkedIn, it never ends, right? Um, yeah. One of the things that I noticed was with LinkedIn is a really simple thing to do is if you want to get attention, just go and change your, go and add a new job in. So just give yourself a new job. So I gave myself a startup secrets job of the post. So within um, probably, I don't know, three, four hours, I had, had hundreds of responses, right? So you get messaging from people because LinkedIn starts prompting it, right? Saying, hey, this person just got a new job. And I think I might have even got you from that off that post <laughs> from memory right. because okay. what happens is LinkedIn's marketing you and saying, hey, you just got this new job and everyone wants to congratulate you. And so I said, oh, okay, well, would you like to be on the show? And it's like that was the easy part. So we just, I just had a response back to people that congratulated me or commented on the thing. And suddenly you've, you've built that costless thing with 26,000 connections or you've even got a couple of thousand connections because even the second level will see that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So... Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah. 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 And, and making it live, as you yes. say, like, you know, going live and saying, and yeah, that's something that I probably didn't do when I set up my company. So I could just pretend. <laughs> just give you a promotion. Just promote yourself, right? Become the, the chief <laughs> operating officer or something like that. Or, um, exactly. Yeah. And because there's a, there's a little tweak to it when it's asked you the question, do you want to make it public? So some people go, no, no, I don't want to make it public. So why not? <laughs> that's exactly what's going to happen. You're going to get that. That, that flow through because you got to remember the LinkedIn likes their own content. So as long as you play that game, it's always going to work. So they like you writing posts with no links in it. They like you writing articles. They like you being congratulated for your job because that's all what they like. Yeah. Um, so as soon as you do the different thing, then LinkedIn will punish you accordingly. So <laughs> like I got locked out of my LinkedIn a couple of months ago because they decided in their own world that I breached their conditions. Oh. And I go, all right, so what condition did I breach? And they said, you're banned for life. That's it. You're shut down. We'll never, you never get this LinkedIn account back again. Basically, that, that was the language that I got back on this the one first email, by the way. Oh, no. And I go, no, no. So I replied back and said, seriously, what exactly am I supposed to have done here? And went backwards and forwards. And what happened was LinkedIn obviously copy and paste templates, but they kind of forget to change them. So they're coming back with these templates, insert reason here in the brackets. And I'm going, okay, so you didn't, 
so what, you haven't even looked up the reason, right? So I kept saying, why can't you? Why am I locked down? In the end, they go, oh, we've reinstated your account, um, but please don't sell personal protective equipment again. And I go, I never, never mentioned personal protective equipment. Like I've this, wow. this mentioned it, like was I trying to promote gloves or something? I don't know. So it's in our terms and conditions, our community standards. I checked the community standards, nothing in there about that. And, and so they completely confused themselves and then they reinstated my account because in the end they realised that they'd made a mistake. But they wanted wow. to sort of be right, okay? Yes. So it's kind of funny. Like it, it's like you got told no, not ever again. And I'm going, that's 26,000 connections and and potentially 10 years of work down the tube in five oh, minutes flat. Yeah, it's right? incredible. And it's happened to me on Facebook because a couple of times I got locked out of Facebook because I thought there was someone trying to log into my account. And I, at one point it took me three months to get it back because I kept logging into the screen that kept failing. And and so, and you look at that and, it's, and that's the thing about entrepreneurship is that it, whilst you build those connections on LinkedIn or whatever social media platform, don't assume you've got that forever. You're only renting it. Yeah. Right. You, you don't own it. And so yeah. they can turn you off any time. And guess what? I have another logged in, login for another staff member. I logged in to check on me. I was disappeared. Every single post, everything I'd done in 10 years was gone, turned oh, wow. off. In LinkedIn or LinkedIn. in? Oh, wow. Yeah. And same thing, Facebook. They turn it all off. So every post, every like, everything you've ever done is gone. Interesting. Eh? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it kind of points to another topic, which I'm sure we could unravel, but um, around the control of Big Brother. Or... <laughs> exactly right. But at the end of the day, you've you got to remember that you're renting, you're not, you not, don't own it. And I think that's I the thing to remember is that you're just leasing premises and the landlord can chuck you in any time they like <laughs> for any reason that they like, like even for an illogical reason. Um, yeah, exactly, yeah. So I really appreciate your time. We probably won't have a little bit of time, but I think we covered some interesting concepts. So if someone wants to, to engage your services, what, what's the best way to get hold of you? Obviously LinkedIn's one place. Yeah, LinkedIn's one place. Um, and then I've got a website, which is www.kdpropertyadvisory.com.au. Cool. So, um, yeah, but it's got all my contact details on the website and also on LinkedIn. So, yeah, feel free to reach out. Um, right. And, yeah. Um, and we'll put that up on the show notes as well. So in case somebody can't, um, doesn't remember it and they're looking at this later, they'll, we'll put it all in the show notes for you as well. So yeah. I really appreciate you coming on. And I think um, I've probably, probably gone for another hour, but <laughs> um, <laughs> really great stuff. And thank you again. No, thank you, John. It's been great. It's been really good fun. That's a wrap on another awesome episode for the Startup Secret Show for Nippernaws. Just before you go, if you like this episode, we'd be very grateful for a five-star review. Please also consider recommending the show to a friend or two. Make sure you subscribe for future episodes at StartupSecrets.show right now. Until next time, if you're an entrepreneur, make a start on your next great business idea today.